0: All right, so I'm shooting this this interview with Irene Wu, uh, formerly head of uh, BD at Layer Zero, uh, now head of strategy, and like the first VC to answer one of my cold emails. <laughs> so thanks so much for for joining me, Irene. Uh, I'm excited to dig into some uh, hot takes on on multi chain and and BD. Thanks so much for
1: having me. And and yes, I remember it was one of the most impressive cold emails I'd ever gotten. So I'm thrilled that now years later we're having this conversation.
0: That's 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 very kind of you. (laughs) Um, So anyway, let's let's get started. So I I met you back when you were like in the the enterprise software world. Uh, And then one day you told me you were going through a quote process, um, but you were a generalist like enterprise VC. Um, So I'd love to understand what drew you into the the world of of crypto uh, and and multi chain.
1: For sure. Well, my history with crypto started a few years earlier and like many other people in the space was very uh, unexpected and eclectic. It just so happened that I was working on a consumer startup and two of our earliest investors were uh, first movers in the space. And so that led me to reading the Bitcoin white paper and I purchased and held crypto from, from then on. And then about two and a half years ago, I was uh, drawn back in because of some really interesting open source primitives and uh, more white papers. And then while uh, sourcing deals in the early stage enterprise software world, I started thinking again about building companies and products. And you know this about me, was something that we had had in common. I spent a lot of the early half of my life as a team sport athlete. And so, I tend to thrive in environments that are highly competitive, but uh, oriented oriented around collective action and, and output. And venture is is very much an individual sport. Even if you're on a very coordinated and collaborative uh, team, ultimately the attribution goes to to one partner. And there's the Midas list, and, and venture investors are are trying to be the Simone Biles of Team USA uh, rather than uh, let's say like being six seat in a, in a, in a crew of eight rowers and in a coxswain. So I wanted to go back to playing a team sport and the most ultimate sport I think of this was more than a year ago today would be joining an early stage team, building a protocol in the infrastructure space. So that's how I eventually landed in the cross-chain interop world and layer zero. I went through a process that was very much like diligencing. a an entire landscape. So I thought if I were to make one final bet as an adventure investor in uh, all of, of software, where would that be? And it would be infrastructure, specifically blockchain infrastructure. And then across all of those opportunities, where is there a holy grail problem where if you win it and you win it the right way, you win it all. But if you mess up, it's an airline industry where there are a bunch of smaller winners and therefore there isn't a venture-sized outcome. That's exciting to me. That's high stakes. And That holy real problem was cross-chain communication across all of the bridges and messaging protocols. I diligence layer zero came out to be the absolute strongest for a lot of different reasons. And so I feel super fortunate that it turned out they felt the same about me joining their team.
0: So that that actually kind of sounds quite similar to how I got interested in crypto, Um, taking a look at a bunch of random companies um, that I was working with, trying to do diligence on a bunch of chains, um, I got really ex- excited about infrastructure as well, um, and I was like, "Wouldn't it be great, like, if, if everyone in crypto could just be friends, and there was no more like, you know, war for users?" Um, and I was like, "You know, cross chain would be amazing to do that." Um, so I, I guess something you mentioned that was really really interesting to me was the the process of doing diligence on a ton of cross chain protocols. Um, I would love to get a sense of what that competitive landscape looked like. Um, was that just like hey like Wormhole is getting hacked? Um, you know all these chains aren't, just aren't competitive in terms of bridging, um, and something like Layer Zero is just going to provide like you know a better experience for all the developers, um, you know, and, and be more scalable. Um, or, or was there something kind of different going on um, under the hood?
1: For sure. So pre layer zero, uh, what existed were uh, only wrapped asset bridges. So the way to move assets between different ecosystems was by locking value in a smart contract and then issuing a synthetic asset or essentially an IOU. Uh, and we still see this now with uh, like multi chain wrapped USDC. This is actually very timely because yesterday there was a a massive issue that led to the uh, you know compromise of a, a whole slate of um, wrapped tokens. And uh, there of course have been numerous wormhole hacks. So their portal bridge is a, a wrapped asset bridge. And so that was that was the previous way. And that was revolutionary at one point in time, but there are inherent security risks and user experience issues with that model. And then income Layer zero, which is a cross chain messaging protocol, or we often refer to ourselves as an omnichain interoperability protocol. And uh, the problem we're trying to solve is one layer in the stack below that. So what's even more interesting than building a bridge, it's the information passing system that enables it underneath it. And what's even better than wrapped assets, omnichain assets. So native assets everywhere that are, are linked and can be transferred seamlessly. So when I was diligent in the space, I divided it by bridges, messaging protocols, and then within these messaging protocols, the different security uh, mechanisms, designs, uh, validation techniques and uh, uh, assumptions uh, around all of those. And I also tried them myself. So I think that's the key thing. Like, if you're an investor and you're diligenting uh, a developer tool or a consumer facing product, you better be sure to have tried it yourself. And even perhaps we're in the whole user experience doc. So I was sure to do that. I uh, spent a lot of time with developer friends asking about their experiences, building with. Axelar, uh, Wormhole, Layer Zero, and a few other um, smaller competitors in the space, and then there was also a bridge messaging protocol called Nomad that was very up and coming at the time. Mm, yeah, some funding, and so I considered all of these and was very, very agnostic going into the process. Um, it wasn't just, uh, you know, looking at, at security and user and developer experience though. When you're deciding a team you're going to join. That career bet is like the largest investment you could possibly make. So you're also looking at the team, the strength of the engineers that you'll be working with. You're thinking about the founders and their uh, like self-awareness and articulation and storytelling abilities. You're looking at your own pathways and opportunities at that uh, company. And uh, with that, again, like I said, Layer Zero ended up being a, a really great fit.
0: Yeah, there's there's so much in there. And we could spend like the next two hours talking about anything that you've just mentioned from like developer experiences to differentiating between messaging protocols. Um, but one of the things that's I think really, really exciting, um, kind of now that I and I know you were, were doing BD and now you're now you're on the strategy side, but there's a lot of work, and I you you mentioned this earlier. In building Layer Zero into like the prima, like the de facto cross chain protocol, and everyone's like, oh, like you know, you know, last hundred K to Andreessen if you got into the Series B or whatever. Um, but I, th- I want to say you joined the team like before that happened, uh, and you gave a bunch of of reasons as to why. Um, but I'm kind of really curious to understand, like, when you were looking at the protocol at the time, like, was this kind of like during that multi coin Series A, and there was like one DeFi protocol. Um, or was, or is it slightly slightly more mature? There were
1: very few announced integrations at the time that I came across Layer Zero. The team was still uh, kind of an incubation phase. The protocol had just launched and then Stargate uh, built by Layer Zero Labs was also live, but had only been live for I'd say a month at that point. So we were in like the tens of thousands of messages that had gone across the protocol for comparison we just hit 15 million messages. I think yesterday morning.
0: That's yeah, that's absolutely terrifying. Like, how are you like personally feeling? I I know you obviously you're like every technical and fundamental factor is like in my favor to win the market, but I mean for me like when I work with these early stage teams, I'm just kind of like praying and hoping that it like all works that I'm not like homeless the next week or something. <laughs>
1: For sure. Are you asking how I, I currently feel today? No, no, no,
0: no. Personally, like on you know, on day one, 10,000 messages. Like ah. to me, that sounds sounds terrifying. Um, and when I work with early stage companies, like I feel a lot of stress and pressure. Um, and it's really, really life or death. Uh, and I'm kind of curious to see if if you felt the same way as well.
1: I think it was a really strong signal that when I first spoke with Brian and Raz, our CEO and CTO, it sounded like they were drowning in opportunity. Like there was just too much for them to keep up with. And that meant there one was room for immediate impact that I could provide, but two, that so long as we executed and continued to deliver an experience that was a large enough step up from incumbents that we could win and and create significant market separation. So um, there was that element. I also think that it's good to be a, a bit afraid, like that anxiety drives performance. Uh, again this is where maybe there are some sports analogies to be made here but when it's high stakes and it's like you either win or you lose uh, there isn't an in-between uh, that means that there is uh, an opportunity for you to be a like a real MVP so that was exciting to me. I like that I like walking towards um potentially like huge failures or, or huge wins
0: yeah I mean that, that it, it, it must be like terrifying and to kind of have that on your back. Um, So anyway, so let's transition a little bit into what you're up to today. Um, So I I know you worked really, really hard uh, in the Telegram group chats to win the market um, when you were doing BD. (laughs) I think anyone who's done BD like definitely has the experience of like, my life is like in Telegram. Like, what am I doing? Like, I wish I could just dial for dollars. But anyway, so now you're doing strategy over at layer zero. Um, And I would be really curious to understand what exactly that looks like. Are you like someone who's like splicing and dicing growth KPIs? Um, are you really thinking through like the fundamental future of cross-chain?
1: Previously, uh, leading biz dev and integrations at layer zero, you know, for starters, we were an incredibly lean team for a long time. So that meant I was often the first point of contact for a new project that wanted to work closely with us in their integration. And then also their point of contact through integration, like a product manager helping them with that, that process all the way through go-to-market. So we didn't even have a marketing team. So like, how do we support them after launch and, and help them succeed and articulate why integrating Layer Zero was a huge unlock for their community and their product? And that was for hundreds of individual projects. I think I learned a lot from that, that now informs how we think about strategy because uh, having spoken to you know 10 developer teams from all around the world every day for eight uh, months or so, I can really understand the different vectors of concern and criteria that all of these teams are are thinking about They are one, thinking, should we even build in a chain agnostic cross-chain or multi-chain way? And then two, if we do, how should we go about it? And today I am focusing on uh, our product roadmap and engineering roadmap with our CEO and CTO. And so we've had a lot of really in-depth conversations around what the next six months look like for us, uh, worked well with our expansion strategy previously and where we should double down on with the resources we have. You know, we announced our series B. I think now two months ago, we're really well resourced, and uh, our, our team is is growing in all the right areas. I also focus on our relationships with the foundations uh, for the the ecosystems that we're already live on. And uh, try to make sure that across developers and these decision makers at the foundations, layer zero is proactively solving their problems. So, you know, we're behind the curve if if we're now trying to, to gather feedback on what developers uh, are running into either with our product or with other issues building cross-chain. Uh, I am keeping the pulse on all of that and uh, working with our front end, back end, and design team to, to ship product quickly and get feedback. So when there's actually that inflection in the market and there can be that pickup, were there already?
0: Based on what you mentioned, um, I'd love to kind of take a look at the gaming market specifically. I know this is something based in our, our personal conversations that you were really interested in, you know in as a uh, winter survival or winter resistant tool um, to win the Web three market. Um, I think there's been a lot of utility for these Web3 gaming developers um, where each chain has become its own publishing tool for the game um, that you can't really ignore. So, for example, like if you're building a new Web3 game, it has to be published on ETH to tap into the liquidity in the ecosystem. But if you're someone who's building like, you know, something for La Liga fans, it has to run on Flow um, or some Web2 friendly blockchain. And so multi-chain is absolutely necessary um from an infrastructure perspective and like how you're going to build the game Um, and so something like layer zero becomes absolutely critical for those developers which i know you guys realized you know through a massive amount of inbound at the start but i think like one of the biggest challenges of building um within web3 is just like how do you do user acquisition so if you're a gaming developer and you're like yeah eth has like all this value as a publishing tool um you know in terms of the liquidity on the ecosystem it really only goes so far, right? Like if you raise a hundred million from Andreessen, you're like pudgy penguins and you push your NFT on on that chain. Like, of course, everyone's gonna go absolutely nuts. Um, But if you're a new like web three dev, like who in their right mind spends all their time on ETH hunting for like a new NFT game or a new token, Mm -hmm. right? Like even airdrop hunters and traders have their limits. and so I think this problem, it's, it's kind of like, you know, you have an airport, right? And people kind of like, you know, fly to the airport if it's like NYC, but if it's like a small deserted island, like no one cares that there's now an airport there. Um, and I know Union Square Ventures kind of phrase this as like a problem, of, you know, app versus infrastructure adoption cycles where you need like new utility use cases. Um, and then you'll see like all of this value in, in those infrastructure protocols that are going to be created um, as a result. And So, I'd be really curious to understand like how exactly you're thinking about defining and like, building new use cases for for layer zero with your strategy work? Like, does that even make sense to think about, or is it really just a matter of like doubling down on you know pre-existing use cases? Like, hey, you know, I know that like web three loyalty programs um, really need to move nFTs across chains. And if I just do enough BD with web two brands, it's going to be good enough.
1: There are so many different ways I can answer that question. I'll start by saying that uh, our Nordstrom metric is volume of messages across the protocol. And so, <laughs> Uh, the use cases that are most exciting to us from a business perspective are the ones that drive movement between chains. And so that might not actually be, uh, let's say like a one-time ONFT or Omnichain NFT mint on one chain uh, that isn't that associated with some sort of game or experience where users would want to move their NFT between chains. Uh, We've seen a a lot of uh, fit in the market for OFT, which is the Omnichain Fungible Token Standard. But to your point about gaming, I actually often like to use the phrase chain agnostic instead of multi-chain because uh, I think it has never served a a game or a gaming community well to make their their gameplay and their ecosystem sound more siloed and esoteric than it needs to be. I, I remember at GDC, I was speaking with I think it was the head of, of gaming at Solana and uh in Avalanche. It was just some of their, their BD people all, all in a room. And, and one of them had said, whenever you introduce blockchain into anything, you're you're adding 10x friction, just like naturally compared to the web 2 experience. So that means that if you're building a game and you're introducing blockchain in a meaningful way, you have to be delivering at least 10x more value in in some novel area and so for Axie infinity that was the ability to make money like that's a, a pretty uh unique value add was that sustainable you know <laughs> a lot of uh feedback and, and writing on on the topic of the Axie case study but i think the point here is by building in a chain agnostic way you can actually better attract web two gamers so you're not selling a, a polygon based game it's just a game and then two if you're actually more experimental, then perhaps you can finally unlock uh, uniquely, like more fun uh, features and user experiences that blockchain enables, rather than trying to go the other way and and fit uh, like blockchain-based primitives that we use in DeFi. Like I really, really don't like GameFi as as a phrase back into games. And then I also say chain agnostic because, like you said, for savvy game devs, they they do have to tap into liquidity on Ethereum. Uh, They likely want to keep settlement on a fast and cheap chain. Uh, Then they might pull in communities of of massive gamers from other ecosystems. Like DeFi Kingdoms wanted to launch on Clayton. Very few people know what Clayton is. It is the most popular chain in Korea. That's where all of the Korean um, gamers exist. Uh, But is it like a household name ecosystem? No. However, under the hood with Layer Zero, you can allow users to play from their home chain. You can pull in liquidity from Ethereum. You can... uh, deploy all of your in-game assets and and tokens as onfts so they're seamless and native across all these ecosystems you can settle on zk sync and and you can abstract this all away, so it's under the hood in the same way that there are wires behind a flat screen tv but what makes a flat screen tv a great experience is that all you see is the delivery of it it's this like very elegant and seamless um uh product that that you know, a, delivers entertainment to you, we're not fascinated by by the wiring in the back.
0: Yeah, so I, that, that's all very exciting. And so I, I, I think one of the, the questions that, or challenges I'm having here is, like, how do you think through producing a 10x experience on a blockchain? And I know you've done a, a great job of unpacking how this can function at an infrastructure layer uh, in terms of fighting, finding the right chain for settlements. Or publishing, right? You know, depending on where your audience is native, whether that's Korea or people on ETH. But the question is, like, you know, from a web two gaming perspective, right? I play games all day long. Mm -hmm. Um, I have no idea, like, what I'm going to do as a Counter Strike player on Polygon. I'm not even sure what would draw me in to play a game on Polygon, quite frankly like how do you think through developing like that 10X better use case, maybe in the case of gaming or really any other place in, in cross-chain messaging? I feel like it's one of those questions, those problems where it's really easy to say like, oh, like, hey, Web2 loyalty programs, tokenization is great. What if it was all interoperable? NFTs moved around, it'd be like this paradise, right? And then you have this, this question of like, okay, like I know what I, I have that works, right? I can just kind of, you know, build on top, um, but how do I produce these new use cases and create airplanes to fly through my my airport? Um, I know it's like kind of impossible to to answer, but I would love to hear if there's anything that comes to mind.
1: That's a great and very incisive question. And I'm glad that you asked it. Um, I'm first gonna level set by saying that I am self-aware enough to know that I I am not a game designer. Those brilliant uh, designers and developers are hard at work right now on, on, on shipping. Uh, you know, hopefully the game that serves as a model for what's possible. And, and I'm actually really bullish on a few titles that will be coming out later this year. Uh, most of them leveraging layers you're on, under the hood so they can better um, deliver that, that new experience. And, you know, they're all competing for for eyes and time and attention and, and liquidity. Um, however, you know, what are levers that you, you can pull to better equip your designers and developers to experiment and potentially be the one to, to get that, um, like golden child game on chain to users that, that could showcase what's possible. Well, you should absolutely try and improve the onboarding experience. It should feel like a Web2 onboarding experience. Uh, most user flows right now in- encourage churn at like every click. So how can you uh, get gamers to go from wanting to play your game to literally being in gameplay as, as quick as possible? Well, you should reduce clicks, reduce the need for multiple gas tokens. For example, needing to switch between wallets. Layer zero actually has um, directly integrated into the protocol something we call gas abstraction. So it makes it easier for developers to create that user experience. Um, you should probably abstract away crypto-specific language from the, the game itself. Uh, and, uh, that includes calling your game, a polygon based, uh, first-person <laughs> shooter, for example, it should just be a first person shooter game. And, uh, I think that the third thing, it's not like a direct instruction, but, you know, all the way back to the, the design phase, ask yourself why you're actually even launching a game on chain and spend time with users to gather insights around that. And, you know, you might hear that. They're incredibly allergic to the concept of it and then pull that thread like why is it that you're allergic to the concept of of nfts or something on chain um i'm bullish on on a bunch of the titles coming out later this year i will be playing them myself <laughs> at i was in the play test rooms uh and so you know there are some that i don't think i can quite announce um that have actually been able to create an experience that feels much like playing like, call of duty for example Uh, But, you know, the point here isn't to replicate web two, it's, it's to deliver something better. So we're here to help developers be more creative, uh, abstract away complexity promise uh, and ensure security and agency and then you know it's on them to, to give us something really, really fun.